Hi everyone, Siobhan Chapman here, and welcome to Top of the Morning on the UBS Market Moves podcast channel. It's Friday morning, which means it's time for the weekend review and preview conversation, where my guests will recap how markets have performed over the past few sessions and previews you can expect in the week ahead. Today's conversation is primarily focused on the release of the PCE data and the prospects of a possible shutdown. Joining us for the conversation, I'm glad to welcome back Danny Kessler, Asset Allocation Strategist with the UBS Chief Investment Office. Danny, welcome. We're happy to have you. Hi, Siobhan. Thanks for having me on. Happy Friday. Happy Friday, Danny. So let's get started. It was a busy week on the macro calendar, which included the release of PCE data. Can you recap some of the notable economic data releases for us? Yes, Siobhan. So there were some notable data releases this week that are relevant for the Fed's rate path moving forward. And particularly, like you mentioned, the personal consumption expenditure or PCE release, which is the Fed's preferred measure of inflation. So data from earlier this week on the housing market, manufacturing, and consumer spending has come in mixed. Uh, Home price indices showed that prices rose ahead of expectations in December as 30-year mortgage rates fell below 7%. The Census Bureau's durable goods report indicated orders were lighter than shipments, with the January data softer than consensus expectations, with almost all industries posting declines. And then in a conference board survey, U.S. consumers communicated less confidence in future business conditions than economists had expected, while personal consumption came in above consensus at 3%. Meanwhile, personal income came in above expectations with a 1% increase month over month, with real personal spending about flat. So a lot of data there. Um, But then turning to the PCE release, the print came in about in line with expectations, with core PCE inflation rising 0.4% month over month and super core PCE, which takes out housing inflation from that core measure, rising at 0.6% month over month. So while these numbers were in line with expectations, they're well above an annualized pace that's consistent with the Fed's 2% inflation target. But on the other hand, headline PCE inflation came in at 2.4% year over year, which is close to the Fed's target. So All of this is to say that the data has really been coming in mixed. It's hard to get a read on the exact direction of the U.S. economy and inflation with just this this one set of data prints. Um, And and no month, one month's prints should be viewed as a sure indicator of where we may be headed. We should be looking for more consistent trends. So now sticking with the Fed, we did hear this week from a number of officials. Does anything stand out to you from their remarks? Yeah, we we did indeed hear from a host of of Fed leaders this week. Uh, Comments from the speakers were mostly unsurprising and and status quo. The expectation continues to be that the Fed is on track to cut rates this year, but it needs to see inflation continuing to fall. Uh, Leaders are not in a rush to cut rates, as the Fed needs to be certain that the battle against inflation is finished. So like I was saying, if if we look at the economic data we got uh, from this week in just a vacuum, the Fed could not justify cutting rates. Monthly inflation prints of 40 basis point increases and payrolls of 350,000 are not indicative of a slowing economy and a battle against inflation that has been won. But like I was saying, we do not believe that uh, these these economic data releases are going to stay elevated at this level. We, we can't just be taking um, one month's prints as uh, complete signs of where the economy is going. Um, so they should be taken with a grain of salt, and, and we don't think that they're going to stay at this elevated level moving forward. 
Market expectations of the Fed's rate path are, are now in line with our forecasts, which are 325 basis point rate cuts this year, starting in June. Turning to Washington, Danny, investors have been monitoring the prospects for a possible shutdown of the U.S. government. Where does that stand? Yeah, so this has been one to watch this week. Uh, Congress approved a temporary spending bill yesterday afternoon to avoid a government shutdown this weekend. The vote passed at 320 to 99, with essentially all Democrats voting to support the bill, while slightly more than half of Republicans voted to approve. The Democratic Majority Senate then passed the bill yesterday afternoon, and the bill now resides with President Biden for his signature. It's important to note that this bill is only temporary. Half of the funding is extended just a week to March 8th, and the rest was extended to March 22nd. President Biden was quoted as saying that Congress now must do its job and pass full-year funding bills that deliver for the American people. Republicans in the House appear frustrated that Republican Speaker Mike Johnson is once again asking them to support a deadline extension without spending cuts or other conservative victories. And this is now the the third stopgap measure passed with Democrats during Johnson's speakership. Some Republicans believe Speaker Johnson has wasted their source of leverage by being unwilling to shut down the government and making too many concessions to Democrats. The bill also lacks decisions on any aid to Ukraine, Israel, or Gaza. And Republicans are still aiming for a solution that would enable spending cuts to kick in on April 30th on the back of a deal reached last year, which called for cuts if the government is still operating under a continuing resolution at that date. Both spending cuts or a decrease in foreign aid would be a drag on the economy through fiscal policy, with the potential spending that that both of those represent um, being a tailwind for economic activity. Um, However, both sides of the aisle feel about this situation. It it does appear that we are headed toward a longer-term solution in the coming weeks. So, Danny, turning to next week, what should investors be mindful of? Well, staying on the the government spending bill there, I'll just again reiterate uh, that an agreement must be reached uh, again by March 8th, a week from today, but but that does seem quite likely at this point. It's mostly going through the the final stages of of drafting that agreement. Um, But turning to the economic calendar, we, we do have a busy week of releases, starting with the ISM Services Index on Tuesday, which will come on the back of the ISM Manufacturing Index released today. Wednesday kickstarts a slew of labor, uh, labor market data with the JOLTS job openings and other re- another reading of uh, jobless claims, along with the release of the Fed's Beige Book, which can provide anecdotal insights into the U.S. economy. We finish the week on Friday with the busiest day of labor data releases with non-farm payrolls, the unemployment rate, the labor force participation rate, and average hourly earnings. Uh, So a softening labor market with wage increases under control will be uh, key in the final sticky stages of the battle against inflation. So the Fed, economists, and the market will be paying close attention to this data next week. And hopefully we continue on a path toward rate cuts this year and fingers crossed for a soft landing. Thank you so much for joining us today, Danny, and providing your insights. Thanks again for having me on, Siobhan. 
UBS Chief Investment Office's investment views are prepared and published by the Global Wealth Management Business of UBS AG or its affiliate, UBS. This material has no regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or particular needs of any specific recipient and is published for informational purposes only. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients globally, UBS AG and its subsidiaries offer both investment advisory services and brokerage services. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. In the USA, UBS Financial Services Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG and a member of FINRA SIPC. For information, please visit our website at UBS.com forward slash working with us. For a full legal disclaimer applicable to the independent investment views produced by UBS, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash CIO disclaimer.